film and television. Merely entertainment, right? No. There's so much more to film and television that changes our perspectives. And as a result, we can have different, either realistic expectations or non-realistic expectations about what life is really like. Whether it be horror that helps us develop a habit of turning every light on in the house or a comedy that helps us relieve tension in the saddest times of our life. I want to go in the Wayback Machine and find out exactly what movie helped shape you. I'm Oma Shadi, and welcome to the Between the Bannisters podcast. Hey folks, Moma Shadi. So like I had said on Twitter, um, just because of deadlines being what they are, I'm going to be moving between the banisters to only two times a month. I know you can't live without me. You need me four times a month. But listen, we'll get back there when mama doesn't have so many deadlines. But today I'm really, really happy that we're getting this pot out because I have been wanting to talk to this incredible woman for months and months and years and just following her progress and her journey it's been incredible, incredible to watch. So a little bit about my guest today, uh, Ms. Kay Lynch, is the founder and director of the Salem Horror Fest. She is an independent film producer and the event producer for the George A. Romero Foundation. I have really just been following Kay for a really long time, and I had the chance to absolutely fangirl over her a few weeks ago for the uh, Ghouls Magazine first anniversary uh, panel that we were on together. But I'm very, very excited that you are here today and I want to know what movie we are discussing today. The 1976 Brian De Palma film, Carrie. Ah, you know, it's funny because I'm sitting here asking her what movie we're going to watch, considering that I stalked her and asked her to like talk about <laughs> this movie, trying to be slick about it, but I'm not. So I reason why I wanted to talk to you about this movie, because I'd read a couple articles for you, one of them in The Advocate about how you really formed a really quick relationship to this movie from a very young age. And I really wanted to get you on the pod to really expand on that because really it's, it's what it's all about and how art really influences our life and kind of the parameters that we navigate in and maybe creates new parameters for us. So tell me why you love Carrie. Well, I credit this film as being like the touchstone that got me into horror to begin with. I had seen like, scary movies before I'd seen scare uh Carrie um so like on Saturdays I'd wake up there'd be the Saturday morning cartoons and when normal kids would go out and play <laughs> after that I would stay because the afternoon on like local cable stations WB UPN our WGB and uh, not WGBH um like our, our local stations mm-hmm. would play um, horror movies, edited, of course. Yeah. But it'd be like two o'clock and it'd be Child's Play 2 and mun- <laughs> Munchies and House, all these crazy movies. Yeah. Um, and so I was always like morbidly fascinated by um, many of them. And it wasn't until I saw Carrie watching... Um, TNT's Monster Vision with Joe Bob one night and I was so just enthralled by the film Um, I was uh, you know a lonely queer kid didn't have many friends was bullied so I certainly could relate to a lot of what Carrie was experiencing and um, 
at the stinger scene at the end when um, Sue Snell is going up to Carrie's grave and she's putting the flowers on the rubble, the pile of rubble. And it's very <laughs> dreamlike. Yeah, it's very dreamlike. And, um, and then Carrie's hand just pops out of the grave and grabs her arm. I remember clutching my chest <laughs> and like I was laying down on the couch, but I still like, I kind of like jumped and almost fell off. And <laughs> I just was like holding my chest going like, how could I feel like this? Like how could something I'm watching on right. TV get like such a physical visceral reaction from me? And I was so just, enamored by that experience and that feeling that um this was like I think I was like seventh grade sixth grade junior high mm -hmm. and um and at that time you know a lot of kids are going through puberty so our science class had a box for anonymous questions is <laughs> intended to be like for kids who are afraid to ask like what is happening to my body uh, <laughs> why is that although, <laughs> although that is actually uh, kind of a question I asked I put in there like what is the feeling of watching a scary movie um that makes you feel like you're having a heart attack and she read the question and answered it and explained how adrenaline worked and, and you know anxiety and yeah. all of that so it was um I just remember being like I want more I want more of that <laughs> the gateway drug <laughs> yeah, it's it a, a little junky for, for for scary shit. No, and I love that, and especially with Carrie, because there's so much that I feel like even at any age, and going back and watching it, like I watched it uh, last week, and I, it's it's so visceral because you go back to being picked on, you go back to being bullied, you go back to feeling less than, and wanting to fit in, and not fitting in, and it's so difficult and it brings you back to such insecurities that you can't help but feel for Carrie White. Absolutely. And, yeah. And we all know people that are just like Billy and Tommy and, and Chris, like we all have people in our lives like that. Some of us were the Billy, Tommy and Chris. And, but mm -hmm. I think that it's so interesting that no matter where you see this in your life, that you still commiserate with her. Yeah, and in fact, the the cast of of teens. I don't know that I've ever seen a more naturalistic group of kids on screen before. Like they're just for such a movie that is so fantastic um, and operatic in a lot of ways. The performances are so real, so natural, and like you said, it's like we all know these characters. They mm -hmm. feel so lived in, and there's such great representation of um the different types of characters we come across in high school and, and the situations and the sort of attitude <laughs> <laughs> brattiness yeah. you know the sense of entitlement yeah yeah and yeah all of that and you know for a movie that is like such high drama and such high anxiety it's really just about a prom ultimately i mean mm -hmm. A horrible thing happens at it but <laughs> but even before anyone knows that's gonna happen there's still so much pent up like um just energy projected upon the prom experience mm -hmm. for them this is the biggest thing that has ever happened to them or will have ever happened to them so mm -hmm. of course it feels like anything happening in high school is the end of the world yeah everything's a big deal 
Yeah. And I think especially with, you know, the high school experience is, you know, prom is always looked at as, you know, it's your big hurrah before you have to go out and be an adult. And everybody places so much power within it. And there's so much comparison while that's going on. Who's going to ask who and who's your date? No, you're going alone. Mm, That's really sad. Um, And (laughs) I've been in that boat before. I went stag and I was fine with it. Um, to, To your point with that is like the teens, how do you feel Carrie was represented as someone who, you know, was a little, you know, didn't have a lot of friends, was a little bit of an outcast and how did you relate to her at any point? Well, so yeah, so I was very shy, um, you know, for for most of my childhood. No, <laughs> no way. Um, mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> a, a lot of it was because of insecurities that mm-hmm. I was experiencing. Um, you know, I was a heavier kid. Um, I had some gender sexuality confusing things happening inside of my little brain <laughs> trying to figure figure things out or mm-hmm. just trying to actively suppress and and so a lot of that just made me very nervous around other people mm-hmm. and you know in in um, fear that I was going to be found out or that people weren't going to like me and I eventually found other kids who had the same feelings you know they were yes. like the, <laughs> the lunch table of outcasts so um you know I ended up getting to a place where I was able to find my people and who had a shared experience and um but um even with them there was things that I was hiding within me and so watching this film it was like really the first time that I felt like I had seen a character that I could identify with um, you know, I was living her experience to, you know, to, to a degree. My parents weren't as strict <laughs> as Carrie's <laughs> mom when it, when it came to religion, but yeah. I was raised Catholic and it was, um, uh, going to church was a big source of drama and tension between me and my parents. I just was from a very early age, knew what I believed. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and I'm good. <laughs> and it wasn't that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I always resisted. I resisted and resisted. I hated going to church. And, um, and you know, you don't really have much of a choice when you're a kid. But when it came to, I think it's when you turn 16, there's like confirmation is this, yeah. it's like, there's communion when you're in second grade and 16 you're you get confirmed in the catholic faith which is essentially a ceremony declaring your commitment to catholicism moving yeah. forward into adulthood right, right. <laughs> so which is a like, lot to right. ask for a kid number it's one huge. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit so i was like all right this is my chance i don't believe in this so why would i commit to you know why would i have to go through this right and so i said i don't want to go to no, I, I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't want to CCD anymore. And my parents would be like, you can stop going to church once you're conformed. And I'm like, what? That makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> like, yes. I was like, do you, do you understand what the whole thing is about? Um, <laughs> so I did, and I stopped going to church. So I, you know, I did what I had to do. But um, also, you know, being queer, there's just always been... Um, 
just like the tension between sexuality and religion in general. Hundred percent. And so that you know was always present, always hearing homophobic things being talked around me. Um, my best friend was part of a, a different different church, one that was like way more into like youth groups and stuff. Like my mm-hmm. Catholic was just like you just you go to church, you go to the church programs. And it was a lot of older people running the show. But he would go to these after school programs with like hip people with guitars. And so he, you know, he'd invite me to these things and I'd be like, oh, there's other people. This is this isn't like totally weird. But then I'd start picking up on some of their beliefs mm-hmm. and some of the things that they had picked up from their families and and the church. And so it was just always feeling like everyone around me had a different worldview mm-hmm. and, and so it caused me to silence myself in a lot of situations and I feel like you know Carrie has done that her entire life no I love it I love it and I think what's what's interesting especially when you're talking about the the mix of sexuality and and Catholicism my mother was raised very strict Spanish Catholic and as the mother of a son who is part of the LGBTQ community, like it was always very, which, you know, we had kind of picked out early on. And when he came out, it was very, you know, a very part of the conversation. Would you pass the piece by the way I'm by? And we were just like, okay, great. And my mother was like, oh, so are you going to talk to him about that? What What are you going to do now? I was like, oh my gosh, nothing. <laughs> I was just like, is what is there step two? Like I I was not aware. <laughs> um, so it's it's very interesting. And you know, to talk to him about, you know, having to feel like I can't be authentic with a few people I know, um, but I can be authentic with like these people to a point. But he even he was like, you know, it's very interesting to have to be like the kid that everybody wants to hang around because they're kind of secure in themselves and they can be, you know, kind of out there and loquacious and bubbly and He's like, I felt like I had to keep that up and everyone was kind of fine with me being that, but no one really wanted me to be that around other people. Um, so for him, it was like keeping a lot of things inside. And we had actually watched this together a couple of weeks ago. And, and he had said a lot of the same things where he was like, yeah, I get that. I get why she wouldn't say anything to anybody. Like I get where people were like, I kind of fringe like you, <laughs> which I thought was an interesting way to put things. Like, Yeah, that is and interesting. I, and I feel like we all had that. Like we had people that were like, I like you as long as nobody else sees me liking you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my <laughs> gosh, just, yeah. <laughs> which I was like, apparently he is going fringe liking people, which is great. And I'm going to steal it. I've, yeah. I've had a lot of fr- fringe friends or I've been the fringe friend. <laughs> 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 but I love that. And it's so hard. Like I said, going back and watching this movie and feeling feeling inadequate or it bringing you back to a time where you did or you had to answer to people or you were kind of in the rat race of getting people to like you and the dynamic between Carrie and her mother because Margaret Wright is a piece of work <laughs> oh yeah Big played very deftly by Piper Laurie who was just maddeningly good in this but how do you how did that relationship affect you being someone that was having some struggles with wanting to commit to Catholicism and then looking at something like Margaret White's interpretation of what being a good child of Jesus needed to be. My parents did force a lot of the church stuff on me. 
I never got the feeling that they were true believers. Like, I feel like it was much more about just tradition. It was something mm-hmm. they were raised to do. And it's just part of being a good member of society or whatever. Um, <laughs> because it never came up in any other situation. It wasn't sure. like, oh, God's watching or this or that. It's just like, no, it's Sunday we go to church and you have to do X, Y, Z. But also when I was in junior high, my father had um, read my emails and discovered mm-hmm. that I had an attraction for men. Mm-hmm. And I was um, playing at a friend's house at the time. He called the house and had that parent tell me to go home. And I went home and my dad hit me, yelled at me, all this stuff, um, threatened to kick me out of the house um, and forbid me to ever say anything to my mother. Um, So I didn't. I was like 11, 12 years old at the time. And I didn't come out to my mom until I was 20. So that experience was like probably what I could most relate to Carrie Mm -hmm. when it comes to her and her her mother is just feeling like just being beaten into submission to suppress these aspects you know with Mm -hmm. Carrie it's wanting to go to prom or the idea of men or menstruation all these things that like that are natural and that everyone experiences Carrie's mom is trying to beat all of that out of her yeah and so you know I suppressed so much um Mm -hmm. to the point that I didn't realize that I was a woman till just the last few years um and because the experience of my dad finding out about my sexuality was so traumatic that -hmm. it was like okay I can't open these doors like I'm not gonna make myself more vulnerable that way so you know I think that a lot of like when it comes to Carrie's telekinesis and her powers, to me, that's just like the cathartic release of all that tension of what happens when you keep all of that inside you is that it mm-hmm. comes out in violent, explosive ways. It, it's something that I feel very similar to the movie uh, Cat People, the yes. 1942 <laughs> film. Yeah. Like I, I, it's my favorite film. And um, and I and I looked at it as a as a trans film, um, but not because it is a film about a woman who transforms into this cat monster or this jaguar mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, to to me, what makes it trans is that um, holding in all of that you know societal bullshit mm-hmm. and suppressing all of that inside when it comes out, it comes out violently or, you know, and so her cat self is the embodiment of the rage she feels against society. Mm -hmm. Um, And with Carrie, it's the telekinesis. It's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is how she's been pushed to the limit. You know, she's a tea kettle on the verge of screaming. And, um, And I've felt like that for a long, long time. Thankfully, I I didn't do <laughs> no 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 mass casualty events. <laughs> no pets were harmed in the making. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I could definitely relate to just like walking on eggshells in the mm-hmm. home. And you know, to, to Carrie's credit, um, and I definitely had a lot of this in me too. Is that she does rebel ultimately rebel, 
um, against her. You know, she yeah. gets to the point where she's like, you know, what? I'm going to the fucking prom, mom. Like, yep. <laughs> he's out. Mm-hmm. And I, and I do, and you know, obviously she gets pushed and pushed and pushed, but the the when it gets to that point of the film, she's just she puts her foot down. She's like, no, mm-hmm. I'm going. And um, and you know, obviously it has a tragic end. But but I I do appreciate that about her. Mm-hmm. And so, what I try to do with my telekinesis, <laughs> my superpower, <laughs> that is the result of uh, suppressed rage for so many years, um, is I just I try to I don't know I try to live in a way that communicates to other people who have had similar experiences that that it's okay to like lash out and just like express yourself not violently but to, right. like, you know, <laughs> for me being queer is about rebelling to society and there are many ways to do that mm-hmm. <laughs> so um so a lot of a lot of my activism you know comes from that place yeah. Um, and, you know, I try to channel it in more healthy ways. <laughs> but as it's best crazy. as you can. Yeah. I was in, what was it? It's, I think today's the anniversary of Columbine. It's like the 20th something, 23rd anniversary. Oh, gosh. And um, I remember when that happened. Yeah. I think it was 96. It had to have been 97 or 8 because it was after I graduated from high school. It was just that weird cusp of like, this happens at school. Yes. Because it was the year after I graduated that in my high school, people were like beating up teachers and like people were starting like fires in the school. Like I was like, what happened? (laughs) All of a sudden, this stuff was happening. And I remember it, Columbine being such. They sent, I think they sent everyone from the high school like home that day because they did not want like copycats or people to be like emboldened to do things. And it's just, it, I don't know where that switch came across where it just ended up being like very volcanic in nature where everybody mm-hmm. just kind of let everything spew out. And maybe it was people that were letting it kind of bubble under the surface. Yeah, we've essentially became a nation that carries. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like we're all holding something in. And, you know, and some people are closer to the edge than others. And it's it's really scary to think. But, yeah, I remember, I don't remember if I was, I remember being home. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I, like, maybe I called out. It just so happened. <laughs> <laughs> I called out six, like, Oh, um, yeah, because I just remember I was actually at a friend's house watching it. We must have like not had to come in because I was at a friend's house watching the news unfold on the TV and yeah, just being like, "What the hell?" It was uh, I think it was my senior year of Mm -hmm. high school, so it was like from that moment forward, it became Mm -hmm. you know something that happened very frequently. Yeah, which is terrifying. My acting out in violence came was really just like came from my hypersensitivity to people mm-hmm. calling me like faggot or mm-hmm. queer or whatever mm-hmm. so there is a number of boys that i have beaten up <laughs> <laughs> because they called they called they're not me gonna get any sympathy from me <laughs> yeah so it was just like 
like a Hulk moment or like if Harry <laughs> felt like, you know, like flinging the ashtray. It was like, as soon as someone calls right? me a fag, it was like, okay, <laughs> boom, right. In the and we're ready, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I... <laughs> 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 I don't, I don't uh, advocate for violence, but you know, it, it's, I mean, it's just, <laughs> this is wh- why we need to express ourselves and we need yeah. to have the freedom to explore who we are and to say who we are and to be who we are because, you know, no matter how much you might not like something or some aspect of someone, if you try to deny it, it's going to come out anyway. Mm-hmm. And it might come out in a way that is worse than it needs to be, or right. like more violent or more um, tragic or sad. You know, there's just, it, it doesn't need to end <laughs> like right. the prom. Right. Um, and so I, I think that's ultimately the, the message of the film is, you know, and, and, and why I think it's, you know, even more relevant today than it was yeah. then, or maybe it's just one of those things that it's always going to be relevant. Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, especially look at the attack on queer youth in all the schools. This is like, I don't know, like, I don't, I'm pretty sequestered in my own bubble of <laughs> like liberal progressive people. So I don't yeah. have many people to say this to yeah (laughs) it's um you know i i want to say to these people like you are breeding a an army of carries like you know what i mean like these kids are not gonna change just because you um you know ban their existence in school it's just gonna make them um suppress who they are and just breed resentment for the rest of their life and Mm -hmm. You know, I've been pretty lucky in how I've grown, you know, out of it and from it and all, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, there's, when you look at the suicide rates of of Mm -hmm. queer youth and it's just like, it's not, it never ends well when you try to deny someone who they are. Right. hundred percent. Oh, I love that. I love that because it's so, it makes me sad because I I wish it wasn't as relevant (laughs) as it is right now and I you know I'm kind of to your point about being kind of safe in like who we are right now and this for my my son is very much accepted you know with his friend group and his his work absolutely loves him and it's never a conversation piece he just he just is but I do kind of you know I wonder where we would be if he you know waited 10 years to come out now and everything that's going on now or if he was still in school while this is happening and it makes me so upset for for the youth of america especially for the lgbtq plus youth right now going through still trying to figure themselves out and still trying to figure out how they can be accepted at home and now it's at school and now it's through government and then it's through medical facilities and then it's just the list goes on and on and it's completely pointless to me. It's it's hard to feel like we are making progress when something from like what 76 is still and written, I think in 60s was yeah. still 
is still, you know, a pro we still can't get people on board to be like, maybe we shouldn't be assholes about stuff. And maybe we should just let people live their lives. And oh, that's none of my business. Like, I, I'm still struggling as to why we're still, we're still doing it. And, you know, it's funny because my son is very much like, you know, just some people, like that's the stance that some people, because mm. he's like, if I, if I throw a rock at every barking dog, then I'm going to be miserable. So I just oh, have I, to be I like, get it. I get it. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be miserable. I, yeah. So I could either be exhausted or I can just kind of live my life. And I think that that's, I just let people do that. Just, you know, not everybody has to be like the most popular person or the most interesting person or just because somebody has this, that, or the other thing that should not make them a target for things. And it makes me kind of laugh a little bit because I see, and this is maybe just me being the cantankerous old woman that I feel like I can be sometimes, but mm -hmm. the, there's so many women that I see on my, my social medias that are just like, my daughter is being bullied and I'm not going to stand for it. And part of me is like, weren't you the worst person <laughs> in school that beat up and bullied other little girls and called their house and, you know, told them to like unalive themselves and throw juice on them. And like, weren't you this person? And now you're like clutching your pearls because now your daughter's got to go through the same shit you were putting other people through. And it's like, it makes me think, and not that anybody deserves to be bullied, not kids don't, do not deserve to be bullied, but I feel like you clearly haven't shown that you <laughs> are paying right. the penance for anything or feel bad or anything. And it just makes me kind of be like, you clearly haven't taken stock of the way you used to behave. And you're not understanding how kids are still behaving like you. <laughs> yeah. like you might want to do something about that, ma'am. But I feel like if we're talking about this film and especially like trying to fit in and in the horrific things that they put Carrie through, especially Chris, because I can't stand, I can't stand her. And I'm so happy. I've never wanted anybody to be smacked so hard in a horror movie as <laughs> Betty Buckley slapped her. It is my favorite slap around the world. I, mm -hmm. I love it so much. And first of all, that would that shit would not fly today by any means. Oh but, right. <laughs> but it was well deserved. But I feel like with that, do you think that even though we're going through this type of, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's a, it's a, it's a social turmoil against kids that are literally trying to live their lives. Do you see us getting, do you see it moving towards a more positive direction, the more confidence that we can give in our support to, to the LGBTQ children and teens that are coming through now i hope so i think the like most rosy projection for all of this is to consider that the reason all of these like the momentum to for all of these bills against targeting queer youth um seems to be reactionary to the mm -hmm. fact that more people are more comfortable or have access to more information or more aware or, know more people you know that 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 sort of increased freedom kind of triggered the right and that is why they're freaking out and doubling mm -hmm. down is because that progress is happening so in a way it's like well i guess it's like a sign that some some good is happening but the fact yeah. you know how bad is this backlash going to be i'll, I'll never forget how up until 
I mean, ultimately the 2016 election, every year of my life in general terms has gotten more progressive than the last year. Like mm-hmm. just, just, there's still so much bullshit that we need to overcome. But I had felt like every year things were getting a little bit more accepting. And especially, especially when it came to you know, um, being queer, you know, the 90s was not a great time. You know, there's never really been a great time to be here. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, you know, once it got into like the 2010s, um, I had started a, um, a queer events company and I threw a lot of parties um, throughout the city and was very successful at being able to connect, like to get the business community in Salem to really embrace the gay community. Mm-hmm. And it really, and it showed everyone who lived in the area that there was more of us um, than we thought. And because we're like 40 minutes north of Boston. So everyone just assumes that most of the gay people are in Boston. But <laughs> no, we're all everywhere. So it was <laughs> really cool to get everyone together. And, you know, that led to um, the Pride Committee starting. And now we have a yearly pride parade and that all kind of coincided with um leading up to 2015 when the supreme court um you know legalized or legitimized um same-sex marriage mm-hmm. which is a huge victory I mean, obviously there's some states that allowed for it and others that didn't but at the federal level that this was mm-hmm. being embraced and so it felt like a huge victory and it felt and it was um but it it kind of, up until that point or up until you know um, shortly after it felt like well you know it might progress may be slow but it's going in the right direction mm-hmm. and then <laughs> wow. election wow. happened it's like oh things really can get worse and go yeah. backwards <laughs> like it's not always gonna move forward so yeah. that was a really hard lesson to learn so i i hope that you know that this is like I said, this backlash is indicative of progress, but you know, we're, where are we at now? 20, like eight years, yeah. <laughs> six, six years since 2016. Yeah. Um, and you know, it has not felt like any, we've gotten any better. So we're <laughs> like, like inchworming our way around to better days. <laughs> well, I can only all- hope because of you know the social media and people being more vocal about their experience people yeah. are more aware of different people's um perspective and life experience and you know I'm, I'm turning 40 next year and i'm just now like fully coming to terms with who i am mm-hmm. and um you know to a great degree i kind of it it feels you know, I get a little sad sometimes when I think about how I lost all this time, mm-hmm. you know, like I feel amazing now. It feels so good to be who I am. Um, and it's like, wow, I wish I could have had this when I was a kid um, sure. or teen or wh- whatever age that I would have been able to come to it if I mm-hmm. had the knowledge or the information or the access or, you know, I just for almost 40 years just didn't even have a, like a true accurate perception of what it meant to be trans 
Mm-hmm. And I'm in Massachusetts. I'm surrounded by people. <laughs> like I should know. I know. <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of embarrassing. Um, and and now I see the result of it. And mm-hmm. and so when people are like, oh my gosh, there's all these this trend how is everyone like all the kids are turning trans now it's like no everyone is realizing that Mm -hmm. that feeling that they can't describe you know or whatever the experience that is confusing to them is a is a reason there's something behind that and just for most of history we just have not had access to that um to that experience to to kind of realize go oh that's how I feel um and oh there isn't just one way to be trans everyone's experience is different so yeah and there's people that are also feeling what I'm feeling yeah that's to with social media and things like that is is finding out more resources and finding out with people sharing their stories and and things like that we're having more access to positive reinforcement that wasn't necessarily in the home (laughs) (laughs) or at school which I think that's that's what I kind of hold tight to as as a parent and as you know as a community activist we I do um free mom hugs we have a lot of homeless gay youth in our community um so just kind of seeing that and like building the community around that and just trying to be positive and and support and things like that. Hopefully that just kind of expands and expands and expands and it overpowers the people that are just like, no, surely not. This can't be happening in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's why yeah. I try to be as vocal, you know, as I can about my experiences because mm-hmm. um, I know that there are people in my orbit that are unaware. If, if I... <laughs> If I came to this conclusion about myself and it's taken me this long, mm-hmm. there are people much further removed from understanding it. Um, and yeah. so, you know, I try to be vocal about it just to like broaden people's awareness um, or even better to kind of let people who might have similar feelings to go, oh, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Um And so while I can't go back in time and, you know, reclaim the years that I lost, I want to shave off as much time on anyone else's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, experience or path um, to, you know, just shorten the window of time it takes for other people to discover who they are. Yeah. And, you know, there's this like, oh, groomer or whatever. It's like, we don't want all kids to be trans we (laughs) it doesn't whether they're trans or cis or whatever whoever they are um we want them to feel comfortable and free to be themselves Mm -hmm. and no one is born knowing exactly who they are i mean maybe maybe some people are but i think that all of us go through (laughs) some small percentage yeah we all go through a period of time where we have to figure things out about ourselves in every mm-hmm. aspect of our life and personality and so kids need that freedom to try things on and kind of like unravel some thread and kind of go oh mm-hmm. what, how, why am I feeling like this it doesn't whatever conclusions that leads to might they you know, they might not be trans or they might not be gay or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be mm-hmm. um but they we need to normalize that exploration or at least mm-hmm. the, free, the freedom of thought and provide the access for information for people to 
who have questions to look at other people's experiences. Yep, 100%. This has been so great. I'm so excited. I'm <laughs> so excited we got to talk about this. It, it speaks so much to what we're going through today and not just because uh, we're both like horror lovers and kind of going through like this societal aspect of high school. But what are your top three favorite scenes of this movie? Okay, let's see. <laughs> it's always a uh, hard one. <laughs> I know, especially for this film, because honestly, like this film is a goddamn masterpiece. Yeah, like, Brian De Palma every... does not play. <laughs> it's, it's just, I mean, you know, obviously he's hugely influenced by Hitchcock. He was notoriously uh yeah. prepared and like yes. knew had a vision and mm-hmm. when it came to shooting the film was already made like it already exists in their head so it's really mm-hmm. about just getting you know because all the storyboards were complete and you know this film you can tell it was storyboarded because every frame is a beautiful image yeah and um so you know from that from that perspective it's it makes it even more difficult to to find the best scenes because all of them are so artful in, in their own way um but i love the dinner table scene mm-hmm. when she finally says you know mother i'm going to prom and there's that big biblical painting on the yes. wall and it's all in shadow and when she says i'm going to prom the lightning and thunder strikes and it's just so like gothic and operatic and, and just like stunning visual. Yeah. Um, I like all of all of the scenes between um, Carrie and uh, and her mom because they're, I mean, ultimately I think that's like the big, that's the tension, right? Yeah. Um, th- throughout the movie and their performances are just so, so unbelievable. And there were, you know, how rare is it that actors get nominated for a performance in a horror movie i and know they both, <laughs> they both were and so it's, it's just really incredible so I, I i always think of that scene when i think about this film and <laughs> it's bad but <laughs> I, I i love the relationship between oh what's the name chrissy and john tafalta nancy allen john... <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's so dumb yes <laughs> And and she's such a bitch. Um, yeah. But uh, but uh, one of the, another thing that I really appreciate about this film is how all the women have the power and the yeah. influence over other mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and each other. So some uh, try to use their influence for good. Some use it for bad. But it's always the you know, and Carrie is her power mm-hmm. is like manifest into actual supernatural thing, but. The men, Tommy and <laughs> Billy, yeah. are just like pawns. Like, you know, they no, have like 100%. No, no agency in this movie because no. you know, Sue Snell tells Tommy to take Carrie to the prom, and Chris tells Billy to go kill these pigs and <laughs> Yeah, go know. kill the pigs. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, okay. <laughs> So I hate the scene when they kill the pigs. I, I hate. Oh, I know. Of... I don't like that. Yeah, you know what scene kind of cracks me up? It doesn't crack me up, but it's kind of like, oh my god, she's such a bitch. When Chris has the rope 
and she's like waiting and she's like licking her lips and she's like oh. really like into it like it's gonna happen i was like oh my god i hate her so much where's betty buckley to slap her again i know <laughs> oh. but when she, so when she's giving him a blowjob in the truck yeah. i yeah. think it's so <laughs> funny because <laughs> It's just like, I think it's like the, the epitome of like how much the men are being used by the woman in mm-hmm. this movie because she she knows exactly how to get him to do whatever she wants. Exactly. And he's just like, I just, the funniest line in the whole movie to me is when she's, well, she says, um, I want you to do something for me or, or whatever, or, or, you know, I, um, and he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, keep going. And she's, she's like, I just hate Carrie White so much. And he's like, uh-huh. who? <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck are you talking about? And then, you know, and then the rest is history. Um, I love yeah, it. She's such a little bitch. She's like, oh, she can't do this to us. Like, if we all stick together. And they're all like, oh, I don't know. They're like, I'm not getting slapped over this. You go right on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And then, oh my gosh, what was her name? Oh, oh, she was in Halloween. Oh, uh, PJ, PJ Souls. Souls. Yeah, her little pigtails that yes. don't quit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and her hats. Like, yep. Cute little hats. Pigtails and hats. So cute. <laughs> Bites it in Halloween, but she was super cute when she was yeah. there and Carrie. I mean, she gets it anyway <laughs> with her little baseball cap and her pigtails. Yeah. Um, but I think what's so funny about, and not funny, haha, but like what's so funny about this movie is is even going back and watching and and obviously feeling those inadequacies, but also going in and being like, to your point, where the women are all powerful in this movie. And I do like the point where even though Tommy has been not necessarily coerced because literally Sue was like, you're taking her. And he's like, okay, fine. (laughs) Didn't really have much fight him. He starts to feel for her a little bit and starts to feel really guilty about the fact that, well, she's a pretty decent person. Like, you just get to know her. And then too late, you know, kind of realizes that. And I feel like, is that the fact if, like, everybody's worth knowing or if we just had time to, like, you know, let people be themselves and accept them for that, if we maybe would not have died in a school gym fire? I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Could be yeah. possibly... I mean, there are other ways that <laughs> they could have gotten to know her. Um, right. <laughs> you know, like, of course, Sue thinks that she's doing something good by forcing her boyfriend to take her to the prom. But really what she's trying to do is, um, like, absolve her guilt. You know, and yeah. she, she realizes, oh, fuck, I did. Like, I did mess up. I don't want to be seen like Chris. I'm not mm-hmm. Chris. What can I do to make it better? And so, I don't know, that's supposed to be the first thing she thinks of because it's like, what's the end game here? Okay, after the prom, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just going to hurt her again. And so, the main thing that could have been done to prevent the end was that if Sue just befriended Carrie. Mm-hmm. Just forget about Tommy. Yeah, could have been and- nice. And they all could have just left that girl the hell alone. That too. That is always an option. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, this this altruistic sort of, I mean, they're all white, but like the white savior kind of complex. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's, she's like, oh, I, I have to demonstrate how good of a person I am 
by doing this thing for someone that no one needs <laughs> and is not yeah. going to help the situation and <laughs> it's just no one in, needs. Yeah, indicative of this person's ignorance and you know getting involved it can make it worse and so you know i think there's a lot of you know it's all about the dynamics between them because you know the coach obviously has you know institutional power over these kids but she's also sees exactly what's going on and one of the things that really warms my heart about this movie is how to a certain degree betty buckley responds to what's mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. you know she shouldn't be hitting these kids but, <laughs> but. <laughs> the fact that she knew how cruel this was right mm-hmm. away like as soon as it happened she was like what the fuck like this is like it's so cruel um mm-hmm. it it seemed like she understood the gravity of um that sort of abuse and that bullying that was happening to carrie and she's the closest thing that carrie ever has to a mother like a loving mm-hmm. mother because she's you know she um makes you know assures carrie that it's okay what she's feeling is natural that. Mm-hmm she is beautiful that she you know all these things is like encouragement and really tries to get her to um just feel secure and then even when and then when tommy invites her to the prom right away she's like what the fuck she's like you better not <laughs> like, you better not be is... fucking with her tommy because i will kill you exactly <laughs> She, you know, she's very supportive when Carrie tells her that Tommy, and she's like, "Oh, that's sweet. What do you think?" And then Ravage she's like, "You better not be fucking around." Um, so I, she's my favorite character in the film. Yeah. I think is because I, I mean, she, she is the only one that validates Carrie throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And and genuinely, like in a way yeah. that was, I think she understood what was happening. I think she said help actual helpful things, and um, yeah, and, and I'll ultimately the end still happened <laughs> right because um, Sue so, couldn't mind her own beeswax but that's uh, yeah. fine <laughs> as many times as I've, I've seen this film it's just so well done that like every time I think maybe this time will end differently <laughs> <laughs> maybe Carrie will be like no actually I don't want to go with you Tommy but yeah. thanks <laughs> it's, just, it's so tragic like every it is. and every you know there's not there's, there's not a ton of tender moments leading up Mm-mm. to you know or at all in the film but like when they do happen you're like oh you little dummy <laughs> right <laughs> right you stupid you stupid sense. kids like oh god um yeah. the so one sad. part that kills me at the end when when she's obviously she's come home from the prom and she's you know walking and she comes into the house and She's got Piper Laurie like pegged with the knives and then Margaret's dying or she's dead and she just kind of grabs her. She grabs onto her mother and that always like, I'm always like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Every time I watch it and you're just like as, hor- as horrific as she was to Carrie, she still loved her mother. Mm-hmm. And that is just so heartbreaking because you see that mm-hmm. happen all the time. Like even to like, kids that have strained relationships with their parents um at any rate for any reason whether choice or or circumstance that is still kind of in the back of your head like i just wish i had your validation or your care or your love or something and 
no, we don't speak or no, we don't get on. And I, I obviously would be sad if something happened to you, but at the end of the day, you know, that's, it's just that moment between her and, because she, she can't do anything. She's really helpless about it all at that point. And I think it really hits her as the house yeah. just kind of collapses in on it. <laughs> Spoilers. And like, <laughs> as, as um, much of a monster that Mrs. White is, she's who she is to a great degree because of, she was raped like mm -hmm. her experience she was traumatized and she has mm -hmm. ptsd and a lot of what she's projecting on carrie is in a way her trying to go back in time and prevent mm -hmm. that from happening to herself right um so and you know it just adds to that tragic nature where even though she's she's terrible she's she thinks that she's protecting her yeah and so like this whole movie is built on well quote good intentions mm -hmm. um you know they, they everyone thinks that they're doing the right thing for the right, right. reasons um mm -hmm. and you know that doesn't always work out um so the third you know i it's it's more of like a in-between scene because it's just <laughs> i mean obviously the prom is just like an incredible piece of filmmaking like just is so evocative and visual and visceral and it's just you know iconic for many reasons but when she's walking back to the house mm -hmm. and there's that overlay of like her and like the red and blue mm -hmm. gels it just goes into this other realm for me like that's yeah. where um, ultimately that's like the dream place that Sue Snell ends up you know everything mm -hmm. else is like as as much as there's these moments of supernatural abilities throughout the film it's still very much grounded in reality mm -hmm. but that part i think is just like her ascending you know what i mean she's just yeah. like um just done this horrible thing and you know she's her mind's just well she must be white or she's just yeah this <laughs> is autopilot yeah but yeah. The, but the visual there is just so beautiful um and tragic but it's like the amount of like face work that carrie does in this mm. film oh my god she, her acts with just her eyeballs <laughs> yeah she's so expressive yeah and she's so young you know she, you're like how you know such so young to be this good it's just really, mm -hmm. really incredible yeah. so yeah those are those are some of the moments that stand out to me but truly the entire film is mm -hmm. like a plus except for the part when they're trying on tuxedos and there's the the little <laughs> fast forward blip oh that's only that's the only part i don't like I don't when, the boy, get it. <laughs> when the the boys are talking to each other and they're teasing each other or whatever and like that seems cute it's good to have this levity right mm -hmm. before the tragedy but there's this weird moment where the, they're all talking and then they just the, everything speeds up like the the video speeds up and or the film speeds up and the even the audio it's like kind of does this like chipmunk thing for like two lines they're all standing there and it's just like their conversation just blips like a few seconds wow why and, did i never realize oh gosh that? it drives me crazy and i see people defending him they're like well you know the, we get you know this moment of levity i'm like the whole scene is a moment of levity they're teasing each other like we get it that's where i just it's such a specific choice in a movie that is built on specific choices like where mm -hmm. the camera is at at 
you know, and every second is purposeful. Yeah. And it's storyboarded to, to, to its life. Um, so for that moment, I'm just like, what? I honestly cannot figure that out. <laughs> Going to talk about that choice. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. This has been so good. And I'm so glad that I, I was, I was so funny. Cause I was like, I have to reach out to you and ask you to talk about this movie because it's like, just, and just kind of like following your journey with like Salem and then you're just following your journey of your truth has just been incredibly inspiring to me. So I always had to be like, I know I was fangirling over her a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> we did you. the ghouls so panel. Um, and I just really wanted to just get your take on it because there is so much more to this movie than just people were mean to this girl and that's what happened. Absolutely happy that we got to talk about it together today. So this is great. So yeah, it's been fun. So I just saw the news that uh, that Salem Horror Fest is going to take place next year. So mm -hmm. tell the kids where they can find you and your work and everything that you're working on. Well, um, I'm the only social media I use is Twitter, um, you know, because it's such a sane and normal place <laughs> to, to be um <laughs> my my handle there is video coven and salem horror fest is on all the platforms just search for salem horror fest and salemhorror.com mm -hmm. is where all the news will be posted right now we've just announced the dates um so and and our submissions are open for short and feature films um, so this is the beginning, this is day one of the journey for the next festival. And, you know, we're, it's going to be our first um, one outside of October, which I'm so excited about. Um, and I'm, it was really nice to share this day with you. This has been great. So folks, like check those out, um, get on board. I know that I have a lot of filmmakers and a lot of friends in the industry that are making short films that are working on feature films. Definitely think about submitting into the next year. Because um, things are hopefully getting back to somewhat some sort of normalcy, so we can continue having in-person film fests or even hybrid film fests. So get on it! Thank you so much for being here. My I'm pleasure. Just, uh, I'm just really excited to um, have talked about this movie. So again, the wonderful Kay Lynch, check her out. Where I was going to say wherever, <laughs> wherever you social media, and that sounded so dumb, but <laughs> it's just Twitter <laughs> video coming. But folks, we will see you next week.